Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're looking for more great content like you get here at the pre-med years, go to mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D media.com. This is the pre-med year, session number 177. Hello and welcome to the pre-med years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, if you're not part of our medical school headquarters hangout group, which is a mouthful to say, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash group. That's a private Facebook group just for listeners of the pre-med years and old pre-meds and maybe anybody else that finds us. Because there are some people in there, believe it or not, that haven't listened to the podcast. I recently put out a a poll in that group, and there were about 10% of the people that that didn't listen to the podcast. So we're working on getting those 10% to be the cool people like you listening to this show right now. But uh, it's a great group, very motivational, very inspirational, and they ask a lot of great questions. And the reason I bring that up is because today we're going to answer some of those questions. In the last couple weeks, I've gotten a couple questions through our Google Voice caller line, which you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash question, and you can ask a question yourself. Um, Or you can leave a question in our Hangout group, or however else you can find a way to send me a question. There are lots of ways. I always find it amazing ways that you can ask me questions, so that's awesome. But today I'm going to answer some of those questions for you. And that first one I'm going to play is from Ashley. I'm calling from Anchorage, Alaska. I'm actually stationed at uh, Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson. I am a non-traditional student. I'm an active duty midwife for the U.S. Air Force. And I am one year out from applying to U-Shoes. My question is, I have obviously essential clinical experience. My undergraduate GPA is overall is a 3.2 with a science GPA of 2.9. I don't have a lot of time to take any additional uh, coursework and I was wondering what is that going to be detrimental in my application to USU's or USU and whether or not um if, as long as I have a exceptional MCAT score, whether that can make up for my 
undergraduate GPA. My graduate GPA was a 3.6 in that semester's in nursing with a specialty midwifery from Vanderbilt. So thanks, and I appreciate your time. Have a great day. Bye. All right. So, again, thanks, Ashley, for asking that question. The question boils down to... The question boils down to whether or not your GPA is good enough, your undergraduate GPA is good enough, and whether UShoes, which is the Uniform Services University of Health Sciences, it's the military medical school for those of you who didn't know that, if they are going to look poorly on your undergraduate GPA. My thought on this is that your undergraduate GPA is probably not strong enough for medical school at this point, and that your graduate GPA is probably not going to help a lot. Now, I talked about this a little bit on another podcast, on the Old Pre-Meds podcast. We talked about graduate GPAs and graduate school in general, and if that would help. And you could listen to that one at at old uh, oldpremeds.org. It's session number, uh, where is it? Session number 12, how will grad school affect my chances of getting in? In grad school... Uh, Ashley, in your case, grad school is probably not going to help a ton because it's not really related to your ultimate goal of becoming a physician. And so it isn't really considered something that's challenging enough or at least on the same level possibly of what medical school is is like. So your GPA there, and your GPA there, while strong at 3.6, still isn't like a 4.0 that says, okay, she obviously fixed something in her in her studying, her habits, whatever it is. So, so my advice would be to possibly look at separating, I know it's scary, separating your active duty now, separating from the Air Force, uh, and taking a little bit of time off to take the courses that you need. Obviously, that's my recommendation, but it doesn't hurt to apply to school and get rejected and then figure it out from there, but it it might uh, screw up your timeline a little bit as well. So there are lots of options. There's still plenty of time to do what you want to do. Uh, You just need to to work at it and get it done. And Ashley, I'll I'll tell you specifically, uh, uh, I didn't get an email address from you but if you want to email me, Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net, uh, I can actually put you in contact with the people at, at Ushoes and they can answer that question a little bit more directly than I can. All right, the next question, again, called in through our Google Voice voicemail line is from a student who I didn't catch his first name originally, so I'll go ahead and play it here. Hi, my name is Long, and I am from California, Orange County. My question is, I am a beginning college student. I got accepted to UC Berkeley, UCOA, and UC Riverside. And I would like to be a pre-med majors, and I'm calling my question is, does school make a difference? UC Berkeley has a great reputation, and next would be UCOA, and then the latter is UC Riverside. 
um, is it worth going to a reputable college and risking getting a good GPA because it is it's going to be a lot more challenging versus if I were to focus on UC Riverside, which is a less um, rigorous college, but and also less reputable or less, um, I, w I guess I could say reputable name than UC Berkeley. So does the college itself matter? Uh, I know you your podcast say GPA matters in, in the MCAT, but does the college you're coming off of with your bachelor degree matters? Thank you. All right. So this is a very common question: is does my undergraduate school matter? And between these choices, I would say the answer is no. If you were going to ask me about some sort of small liberal arts school in the middle of Montana, no offense to anybody from Montana, that graduates one pre-med student every couple of years, then yes, it may make a difference. Because when you apply to school, the admissions committees are going to look at your GPA, and they're going to look at your undergraduate institution, and they're going to try to balance that in their head and say, okay, this person graduated from, from, from UC Riverside with a 3.6 GPA. I know that most of the students coming out of UC Riverside with 3.6 GPAs are good students. Therefore, I know this is a pretty decent GPA. They, they are able to, to determine your GPA based on the school you went to because they see lots of students from that same school, and it's easy to judge. If you go to a small school that's unknown, that doesn't produce a lot of pre-med students, then that's a different story. Based out of these three schools, I would say go to whichever one fits you the best. Be a great student. As, as I like to say, go to a school that will make you great, not at a great school. Did I say that right? Don't don't go to a great school. Go to a school that will make you great. There. And now I said it right. All right. So yes, it, it can matter in some ways, but uh, based on these three schools, go to anyone and you'll be good. All right. I just had those two voicemail messages. I did have a couple other messages. One that came in through email and I'll read that one here. And this person wrote, I feel completely lost when it comes to knowing how strong of an applicant I am for med school. I'm graduating, I am a graduating senior from a small liberal arts school in Orange County. I'm the only graduate applying to medical school from my university, and we do not have a pre-med advisor. So this is what I was saying in that last question about if you're the only person applying to medical school from your school, it might be hard. Anyway, before applying to medical school, I thought I did thorough research into how many schools I should apply to, what each university wanted in an applicant, etc. After submitting my initial application, I received secondaries from almost every school I applied to. This made me feel confident, but after turning in all of the secondaries, I just kept receiving rejections before even being interviewed. I am still waiting on a response from one school right now, but have not received any interviews to date. Obviously, there is a quote-unquote red flag in my application, but I have no idea what it might be. After listening to some of the podcasts, 
I think I may need to apply to more schools and apply earlier in the application cycle when reapplying. But other than this, I am lost as how to improve my application. I've sought out medical students, others, and these podcasts, but I feel like I'm treading water still. Any guidance you can give me would be greatly appreciated. So here's one where I would refer this student to listen to the interview that I did with Christine back in session 171, all about reapplying to medical school. And again, you can listen to that at medicalschoolhq.net slash 171 or episode 171 in your favorite podcast player. But the, the question comes down to why, why didn't this person get an interview to begin with? And this person mentions that they applied late, which is a, a big no-no, and they probably didn't apply to enough schools. They didn't mention how many schools they applied to, but they didn't apply to enough. It's interesting that, that they noted that after submitting the initial application, they received secondaries from almost every school, and that made them feel confident. And that's a false, false confidence, because most schools automatically send you a secondary. It's a big money-making scheme for the schools. Uh, putting on interviews is an expensive proposition, and so they, they recoup some of those costs by sending out secondary applications. And students fill them out and pay the money to to have them looked at, possibly. So just because you get secondaries from a lot of schools doesn't mean that you have a chance at that school. Most uh, unfilter will will send out their, um, most will send out secondary applications uh, on an unfiltered, unreviewed application. So don't let that boost your confidence in any way. Like It's, it's kind of bad to say that, but just because you get one doesn't mean anything. The, the biggest thing is, yes, applying earlier, and yes, applying to enough schools, but it's kind of hard outside of that to know what else there is, uh, why this person didn't get into school. I would highly recommend asking the schools that didn't give you an application or didn't give you an interview to, to ask them for an application review. Ask them what it was in the application, in, in your application that they didn't like. Obviously, without details like an MCAT score and GPA, it's kind of hard to know. So good luck on reapplying to school. Take some time and figure it out. That's the, the number one advice from that episode 171, if I were to summarize it, is don't reapply immediately. We need to figure out why you didn't get in this time and take the time to fix it for next time. This next question came from a student in our Google Hangout. Again, not Google Hangout, our Facebook Hangout which you can find at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. And this person said, I signed up for the MCAT on June 2nd, but haven't started studying yet. And this question was just asked um, in mid-April when we're recording this. So they have about two months and they haven't uh, started studying, which is kind of strange. And then they finish up by saying, I'm retaking the test. So they didn't finish up, but then they say, I'm retaking the test. So they're a retaker. Uh, so two months maybe isn't uh, so bad since they're retaking it. They're asking, should I push the test to a later date in June or July? I may apply this cycle or next cycle. Suggestions. I'm not that confident to take it in June, but I just don't want my MCAT score to come out late. So here's my suggestion for the MCAT. 
If you're retaking the test, again, without knowing your original MCAT score, uh, why you're retaking it, but if you're retaking it and you're retaking it in June 2nd, you're not going to get your score back until the beginning of July. That means that the medical schools aren't going to review your application until the beginning of July, which is not that bad, considering that when you submit your applications, the the application companies verify all of your information, and then at the end of June, they submit the first round of applications to the medical schools. So if you were able to study for the MCAT and submit your applications at the beginning of June, then I would go ahead and say that's an okay time to take the MCAT. The question, though, comes down to why do you think you're not prepared? And why are you taking the test if you think you're not prepared? There, there are two different scenarios here. The, the common scenario is most people just don't feel confident taking the MCAT and they feel like they're never going to be prepared. In that case, just push forward, you'll be fine. The second one is that you're taking practice tests and you're not doing well on those, but you, you don't know whether or not you should keep your test date. Obviously, for this student, they're not studying yet, and so they're not taking any practice tests, so we don't know if they're doing well or not well, so it's hard to give that advice. I wouldn't push the test back much later, if at all. Uh, I would, uh, if you need to re uh, reschedule the test to a later date, I would look at possibly applying next year and not this cycle. So, so there's there's so many moving parts with the application, with the MCAT, with, with so many other things that you don't want to rush to take the MCAT just so you can apply earlier, apply it all this cycle, because if you don't do well in the MCAT, then it's all a waste of time anyway. All right. Again, that question came from our Facebook Hangout. You can get it at medical school. You can get in at medicalschoolhq.net slash group. That'll take you to our Facebook group and you click join group and I will verify you as soon as I can, usually pretty fast. If you want to ask a voicemail question to get played here on the podcast, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash question and that will allow you to record something and send it to us to play back here and answer on the podcast. I want to thank our sponsor this week on the pre-med years, Gap Medics. One of the most common problems I hear from pre-med students is trying to find a place to shadow. In fact, just this week, I spent about 20 minutes with one of the students that I'm working with calling different pediatricians' offices near where she lived, and all but one said no. And the one that didn't say no didn't say yes either. They said, maybe. At Gap Medics, not only do you get a comprehensive insight into the day-to-day work of a physician, but you get the amazing and exciting experience of exploring a new country and a new culture. One of their newest locations, located in the Dominican Republic, is perfect for our North American listeners. You can enjoy the Caribbean, get the shadowing experience you need, and after your time there, maybe you can join family and friends for an extended Caribbean vacation. They also have their normal locations in Tanzania, Poland, among many others. You can find out more about Gap Medics at medicalschoolhq.net slash gapmedics or by going to our prior episode where we had them on as a guest. And you can find that episode at medicalschoolhq.net slash 
1-800-273-8113. Again, to find out more about Gap Medics and learn how to apply, you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash gapmedics. Thank you, Gap Medics, for supporting the pre-med years. I don't have any new and exciting reviews to read for you this week, but if you would like to leave us a rating and review, you can do so at medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. It only takes a minute and means the world to us as we like to read those, and it also helps us in iTunes when people are looking for a new podcast to listen to. I hope you got a ton of great information out of the questions asked today. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to drop them in our Facebook group, again, medicalschoolhq.net slash group, or through our voicemail line at medicalschoolhq.net slash question. I hope you join us next week here at the Medical School Headquarters and the Pre-Med Years Podcast.